I tend to view subway maps as something that sort of conceal the reality of urban living and conceal the complexities and it's just a very simplistic image of a city. So it's all just this idea of like masking, masking the reality. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm your host, Aaron S, and in this week's episode, I have the chance to talk to the incredible artist, J.R. Chua. J.R. Chua is an artist based in the UK who combines the mediums of spray paint and paper cutting to create a variety of abstract artworks. Chua explores the delicacy and dimensionality of paper and how it can be repurposed into something that inspires conversation about wider issues. Right, you know, so the best place to start is where I start with everybody is tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. Hi, so I'm JR Chuo and I'm a paper cut and spray paint artist um, based just outside of London. And I've been paper cutting for just over six years now. Um, my work is mainly inspired by Japanese traditional paper cutting techniques and um, I also take inspiration from like the forms found in corals, so natural forms uh, found in nature. And I also take inspiration from coral bleaching, so the impacts of warming oceans on coral reefs. Yeah. So that's actually a really interesting kind of concept where, you know, because we don't see the coral reefs that often. Um, so it's kind of like you're trying to bring something to light that's kind of quite hidden and kind of quite out the way. Yeah, that's quite interesting. And uh, why do you think like art is a good medium to use to kind of explore this idea? Um, I think paper cutting, it's like, for me, it's a very organic process. So I, I tend to just start like from the center and then work my way out. So I have like very large um, pieces that I don't really have to plan them out that much in terms of the design. Um, and that works because it sort of mirrors the um, designs found in, I mean, I've studied the, the patterns found in corals. So it, I think the, the organic process helps me to, it's, it's quite nice to translate that into paper, if that makes sense. I'm not sure. If I... That's cool. That's fine. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of interesting because paper is really delicate. Um, and it's like, it's such kind of a fickle medium, like, you could very easily destroy what you're making, particularly something that is so kind of um, detailed, you know, because, you know, it's a whole process, which we'll get into a bit later, but it's kind of like, at what point, because obviously before you did paper cutting using like acrylic paints and stuff, so like, how did you kind of make that transition and kind of like, where did that kind of come about? I was actually on a trip to Japan in 2015. So that was like, it was a surprise trip to Japan. So I, um, stayed we stayed in like a Japanese traditional ryokan which is like a traditional Japanese inn and that's where I came across uh, paper cutting for the first time and it's sort of used to print um, designs onto kimono which are like Japanese traditional um, clothes um, yeah, and I was just really struck by like the delicacy of the designs and then and it just I think it really fits my personality as well just something that's really it's not messy it's very easy to 
it's just very simple and it, you can really focus on the moment it's a very like meditative process um but yeah the transition just really happened on that trip i came back to the uk and then i started creating lots of paper cut designs i didn't really look back after that i didn't even do like art after that at school and stuff it just i just oh. did it myself because it's yeah. not really something that they do at school so you're very much self-taught then yeah i'm self-taught oh. in paper cutting um just using internet resources mainly um yeah so that's really that's actually very very impressive um and i must say that do you think yeah actually no i think that's very impressive <clears throat> just because um <clears throat> excuse me just having seen your work it's very kind of considered um so i kind of wonder like do you think that you being self-taught you have any advantages because you're self-taught as opposed to going through the traditional you know system i guess um well, it just means that i'm can i keep evolving my technique and it i can keep creating my own techniques as well so i'm not it's very liberating in a way because i'm not really pinned by any rules and stuff obviously i do use proper materials and yeah. everything but i just i can just explore as i yeah, i keep evolving it as i go so yeah i do very abstract pieces as well most paper cut artists do very figurative or like architectural just realistic images but mine are very abstract at what point did you know that you wanted to become an artist I think from a very young age, I've always been doing art. So I, I can't really, I feel like it's a lot of people will say the same thing. You can't really pinpoint a point. But I've always been very, yeah, I've always done a lot of art and painting, mainly acrylic painting when I was younger. Um, and then I just sort of took it to myself to start doing that alongside education. So I'm still in education at the moment. Um, and I still do this sort of alongside, but I'm doing yeah. it more seriously. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. And I was actually really curious because um, obviously I, I only I didn't actually realize how young you were. Um, I only realized yesterday and the day before when I was doing research on your on your work, a bit further more research, a bit more in-depth research. Um, I was actually really surprised because your work is very considered. And, it, you know, you have like your own process kind of set and you kind of have a very like self-assured nature of what you're doing. And I think you see that a lot in older artists who have been working for like 10 years. So I'm actually, I was very impressed by your work versus your age, because I think it's kind of exciting that you're doing this now. Like imagine what you're going to be doing in 10 years time and how it's going to evolve. I think that's absolutely incredible. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's kind of really curious for me because I was just really surprised by that. Um, and it's, it's just, it's just, I don't know, it kind of shocked me in a good way. Um, so yeah so what are the sacrifices of being an artist in like personally for me well yes both personally for you and also for your work it's a difficult question um but I think for me obviously being doing this alongside education I'm not sure if that's that sort of yeah, no, yeah I know that's perfect it does mean like a balancing act yeah I was going to ask you so how do you manage that balance um and in terms of like because obviously your education can take you away from your art and then your art can also take you away from your education. But then you also kind of want to follow the art as I'm assuming you want to be a full-time artist. 
Um, yeah. So it's kind of like, how do you balance that? Because you are at that moment in time where education is very important and you're at that age where it is very important to pursue. But also there is a possibility of you not really having to do that because you could, your art career could take off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it isn't an easy balance. Um, and I, I still don't, I'm still like learning as I go because I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of years. I've still got three more years at uni. Um, so I still obviously don't know how it's going to evolve. And I think the work's going to get harder as I progress, obviously, because I've just done first year. So that should be the easiest one. Um, but at the moment, it's been really good because the art really complements the sort of stress at uni and that constant just constant working it's really good to have something to just take time to myself to um yeah do paper cutting that's really like where you put your time as well because a lot of people will put their time into just scrolling on tiktok or something for yeah like seven yeah. hours a day so this is just like a different way <laughs> of spending more. a different I'm, i mean i am guilty of that as well but i'd think even just like taking half of that time out and doing paper cutting or doing something that you're passionate about then that I think there is enough time basically yeah I completely agree I think everybody always says oh I don't have time to do things but actually when you kind of stop to think about what you're spending your time on you realize you actually do it's just you're prioritizing your time in a different way um, and if you you know if you kind of turn your phone off for a while and or kind of reconsider what it is that you actually really want to do I think you can find the time to do stuff um, I think it's very easy. Obviously, if you work, like I work, like you know, I have a full time job and I run the site and the podcast, and it's a lot of time. Um, but like you, you balance it. You kind of you figure it all out, um, and you make time. For, like you always make time for the things you love. Like I think that's that's so important. And um, I think particularly artists, because it's like, especially at the very start of like your career, like there's no guarantee that tomorrow you're gonna get a lot of money from what you're doing. It's gonna be a long, slow, steady process. You know, it's a lifelong process. Art. Um, so I think, yes, I think it's great that you have that attitude that you want to spend the time on it and your work is very time consuming. So you kind of have to force yourself to create, um, and spend the time. So I think that's great. And I think that's, uh, it's a very mature way of looking at it, I think, which is why I think people think you're older because you have a very mature way of looking at things. Um, so yeah. So this is a question I asked you when I met you, but I'm going to ask you again, because I ask everybody is, uh, what's the most challenging part of being an artist? Um, I can't remember what I said when I met you now, but I can't remember what um, you said either. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you just have to be very adaptable. That's really important because it's constantly changing, especially with social media and trying to like keep up with trying to keep people's attention. It's not easy to, you have to keep adapting. You can't just stick in one lane, I think. Um, and also just all of the different skills that you have to learn as an artist. That's something that I didn't really know much about before. Um, all of the, you have to really, it's like running a whole business basically yeah. is how I see it. Um, you have to learn so many different skills. It isn't just paper cutting. My, most of my time, well, not most of my time, but like a quite a large percentage of my time when I do art is actually spent on other stuff that I have to do business stuff um so it isn't like the whole time I'm paper cutting there's just always a lot of stuff to think about um and that 
it's not really for everyone if you think that being an artist is just that romanticized version then um I'm sorry to break it to you <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah I could, yeah absolutely it's like admin admin is kind of like 90 percent of your time and the creation is about 10 percent because like really like there's so many things that involve you know there's like marketing there's the business side there's taxes there's selling work there's packaging work there's you know you know the actual creation of the art you know there's recording videos for instagram there's you know emailing people there's promotion there's just there's so much that goes into it and i think um what i kind of want to hope to do is kind of make people aware of that because I think it's so easy just to see, oh, this person's creating loads of cool work, they're selling work, let's do that. And you try to do it and you kind of realize like, oh, actually it's a lot harder than you think. I think everything's a lot harder than we think, but we don't realize. Um, and and what do you think that needs to change or what kind of what kind of education do you think people need to have so that people who are aspiring to be artists can kind of understand that it's not just about the creation? I think even I didn't, I'm not doing art at uni. So I'm not sure if that is something that's taught as part of a creative degree. Um, but in terms of what I learned at school at art, it was very much just focused on the techniques and experimenting with lots of different things. Um, and that is good for a lot of people. But I think it doesn't really encourage people to go down one specific route, which I think is really important as an artist, picking one thing that you want to so I've picked paper cutting um, and really having like a centralized, um, I'm not sure how to explain it, like having one type of art that you focus on um, in order to create like a cohesive body of work. Yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. Um, so how do you find the value in your own work? Um, well, it's really for me. The reason that I create my work is for me. So, and also obviously to, to show to the world now yeah. that I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't enjoy the process, because that's, that's really the thing that always keeps me going, that I always want to keep creating new work and experimenting with different types of paper cutting techniques. So that's really where the value is, just in, it's quite a selfish value, but I also do enjoy now it's quite a recent thing that I've been showing it to lot to people um because I, I was doing it alone for quite a few years um but yeah the value is very personal I think so what kind of inspired you to want to show it to other people because I think because the last person I interviewed two days ago is uh, an artist called uh Joe Riggio and his, he said that actually for like about a good, a long, very long time, he didn't show his work to anybody. Um, and I kind of wonder like, why is it that like as an artist, you know, there's something that you create and you value what you're creating because you create it for yourself, but it's so hard to show to other people. Like, why is that? I think I was just, I wasn't really ready to show it to people at the time because I didn't, I was still discovering lots of new things for the first couple of years of paper cutting. And now I sort of reached a point where I'm ready to, I feel like I'm good enough in my technique. I think it's just more of a confidence thing that it takes time to build that confidence to be able to showcase your work to the world. Um, and there's a question I wasn't going to ask you that I just thought on the top of my head. It's like, so how do you feel about putting your name to your work in terms of like, because you don't know where it's going to go? Um, and you could like have a different view of it yourself in about say five years time. 
Um, well, I don't really put my personal name to it anyway. But oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, my name Jr. Chua isn't my real name. Oh, I'm what actually. I did, yeah, I did. So, okay, so that's really fascinating. So, why don't you? That's really interesting. That isn't it. Isn't as if I don't. I could just have used my name. Yeah, I just liked. It's actually like a, inspired by a Japanese subway line because I take okay. a lot of inspiration from like metropolitan areas and subway systems. Um, and that was a name that worked. It works well. It sort of makes sense when you know my real name. Okay. Um, oh, is that yeah, that's super interesting. That's so fascinating. Um, I love it when people create like work under an alias because I think it kind of. I had this conversation with a really cool photographer called Mr. Dead Tired the other day on Instagram he messaged me and I messaged him back um, because I feel like when you have an alias you kind of separate yourself from the work and you can see it as a more kind of objective view but at the same time you can be more honest because it's not technically you being persecuted if people don't like it it's kind of like a really interesting paradox of kind of separating yourself from your own work whilst also being more personal so yeah I think that's really interesting that really fascinates me I mean it still comes back to me in, at the end yeah of course um yeah because it is still like the title jr chuo still represents me and all of my work it's almost um, like a brand yeah um, and actually let's talk let's get into your work a bit then so um, for those that may not have seen it can you kind of decide to describe it there's quite a wide range of different types of work that i do so it starts with an initial paper cut which is one sheet of paper that i cut into and that can take a couple of weeks to months if not years um, I have a piece that took two years that I'm photographing oh, wow. at the moment. Um, so yeah, I'm photographing that for a show that's coming up. Um, and those pieces, I essentially use like a hobby knife to cut into a large sheet of paper and, and create these small organic designs. Um, and then I create original spray paintings using these pieces as stencils. And I also create digital versions of the spray paintings which I hand cut as well so that's what I'm doing at the moment with the 80 paper cuts they're actually like digital manipulations that I've that I use photoshop to change around colors and change some of the designs and then I hand cut around them like there's a lot that goes into your process it's not just oh you cut a shape continuously it's like there's yeah. a lot of different it's not a nice analogy it's kind of a nice and pairing but it's like there's a lot of layers to your work like both literally like literally and figuratively uh, that's very very interesting how that works out in terms of like the way you say it up is that there's always something new you could be exploring and there's always different kind of even just like tweaking slight like different layouts or different kind of colors um, and actually there's an artist that I'm going to send to you later um, her name's Laurie Bennett-Levy she's an American artist and her work is really great and actually I think I think um you might like it and or reach out to her because she's such a really lovely person. Um, I think actually maybe you can get some a really interesting kind of guidance slash wisdom, just slash some kind of advice if you ever want it from her because she's awesome. Um, and I'll send you her a link to her work later because I feel like, yeah, I can see like a, a nice interesting parallel between your work and her work. Um, and they're just the endless possibilities. That's like something that's really fascinating because it's like you have opportunity to kind of create whatever you want. Um, and it's kind of, it will never get boring for you, which is the perfect thing. Um, so that's cool. Sorry, continue with like the other kind of aspects of your work also. Sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. Um, 
Yeah, that, they're sort of the main three things that I do. So the paper cuts, the spray paintings, and then the digital versions that I also paper cut. But all of them involve paper cutting because each piece is hand cut, even the spray paintings. Um, and I, erase, I sort of raise them to create this idea of a coral reef, this image of a coral reef, uh -huh. um, like lots of different um, layers and elevating each paper cut at a different height. Oh. It creates a sort of canopy effect. And that's what I'm doing with that, with the large piece that I'm working on at the moment. So that's going to have about 300 digital versions that I'm hand cutting and then raising them at different levels. And then it will be like lit from behind. Oh, wow. Um, that's amazing. Which I haven't that's... done before. See, so that's... that will add a whole new dimension to it. Yeah, that's what's, that's what's really fascinating. That's why I'm very kind of enthralled with your work is because you could take it in so many different directions. Um, and you already have just in the short amount of time you've been doing it as well, which is kind of the interesting thing. And it's like, I don't know, it's fun because it's fun to see because it seems like, you know, you have fun with it. Um, and obviously you're taking it very seriously, but also at the same time, there's a lot of play involved. There's a lot of just kind of experimenting and seeing what happens. And if things go right, that's perfect. If things don't, then that's also great because you can probably use your mistakes for a new piece. So yeah, it's very. I think it's very exciting. Your work is very exciting. Um, and actually, let's talk a bit about your inspirations um, because as you said earlier, like so coral reefs are your inspirations and also kind of the Japanese metro system. So kind of like, because you're right, they're both kind of, they're very different. Uh, one's like One's like very present and one's very invisible. So like kind of, how do they... Kind of like, so how do the influences come to your mind when you create a piece of work and also kind of like do they ever merge in a piece of work yeah i think they constantly merge in all of my pieces so the coral reefs really come into the way that i create the structures of the pieces um just taking inspiration from the way that they are from the different patterns and layers um the japanese metro systems i actually name a lot of my artwork after japanese um stations and subway lines um and i also the colors that i use as well are sort of inspired by subway maps but also by um the colors that certain corals emit before they die before they're bleached so that's a clear overlap um yeah, I think I, I sort of use, it's difficult to explain because they're quite, they're not very common sources of inspiration. I'm not sure if your inspirations, or whether you want them to, but I'm not sure if your inspirations show through your work in the way you might, I don't. I mean, I don't know if you, if you want them to or not, but I don't know if like, if I looked at your work objectively without having spoken to you and or done any research, if I'd understand the inspirations you have, is that something that you're aware of or is that something that you're, you don't really mind? Yeah, I just I just want the viewer to take what they want from it, essentially. Um, it doesn't, that's just my sources of inspiration for creating the pieces, but ultimately it can be whatever the viewer wants to take from it. Um, I think most people see different things, but a lot of people tend to say that it looks, that it reminds them of like cells or some sort of biological structures. So that is similar to the coral reef influence um, and then some people do identify like the Japanese trains train lines and things um, so I think people can pick up different aspects of it but it's just hinting I don't really want everything I wouldn't 
want to give everything away. Just, um, I think that's the beauty of the pieces that they're quite mysterious in a way. You can just take what you want. Um, but ultimately they, although it is inspired by the tragic beauty of corals, they, I do want the pieces to be, to have quite a positive, to invoke positive emotions in the viewer. So I do use really bright colors and they work well as like interior. They work well to brighten up interiors because I use fluorescent colors. They sort of reflect the light. Um, so it, yeah, I mean, that's a very different, the positive emotion is obviously very different to the very sad um, inspiration for the work. That's like super fascinating though. Like that's so fascinating how you kind of are using something that is, you know, as you said, you know, quite tragic, but also you're making it kind of um, present and beautiful within your work. I think that's very, yeah, that's really fascinating. I really think that's, that's so just your inspirations are really interesting. And actually, so why, why Japanese culture? Why are you in, like, why not say, for instance, say the London tube? I know that's probably a very kind of, generic thing to say but like, why not like the London Tube like why is Japanese culture interesting and, and important to you I don't have any roots like my family hasn't got any Japanese blood as far as I'm aware so it is something very different um I've just always been fascinated by Japanese contemporary art um so artists like Murakami um Usama so I take a lot of inspiration from their bold use of color and um just really exciting contemporary designs um but then it just sort of is difficult to pinpoint why i chose japan but i think mainly the contemporary art scene was something that really lured me in as a child and then when i went to japan i started learning japanese um i actually spent some time in a school in a japanese art school which was for uh, teaching manga which are like the comic um the Japanese comic books so I learned how to draw manga um yeah so it's really it's just sort of a fascination in Japanese art culture and do that's that, that's really interesting actually and do you think that you would ever consider looking at different countries in different cities and kind of using their kind of metro systems and kind of colors and stuff inspired by that or do you think you'll probably stick to just japan i'll probably stick to japan if i'm being honest i know that's um, i mean i'm studying japanese at university now so you can ah. see sort of the obsession um so i'm studying like japanese culture and language and society oh and okay that's cool very wide I will be living in Japan in like the end of next year for my year abroad. Um, um, so at the moment it is very much focused on Japan, but there isn't, it isn't as if my art is just, just for Japan or something. Yeah. It takes inspiration from that. But now it's very, I tend to do a lot of things just taking inspiration from lots of different sources. So I do, take inspiration from other artists as well that aren't Japanese. Um, yeah, so I think it's just really the source of where it began. Okay, that's cool. And I think that's kind of like fascinating. So how do 
Is that like so? You know, so as somebody who is from London, um, at least close to London, um, how do you think your work is perceived then um, by people outside of the UK? Um, I've had quite a positive response by people that, like people that have bought my work and things. I think people like the vibrant colours and that, um, especially like an American audience. I found is very they really react positively to the vibrant fluorescent colours that I use and that um, positive vibe. Um, um, I think it really just depends on the person's taste because some people won't like what I do because it's very abstract and contemporary um, and other people will appreciate it. But it isn't just like a completely Japan-centric yeah. art I'm not even sure how Japanese would respond to it at the moment because I haven't even exhibited there yet. But I'll find out soon. Yes. Yeah, because you've got an exhibition coming up in Tokyo, haven't you? Yeah, so that's like a... It's Tokyo International Art Fair. Um, oh, and wow. I'll be exhibiting a few of my pieces there, but I can't attend, which is really sad. Oh, that is, that is a shame. And I'm opening up the borders until next year, I think. Oh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, that makes sense, but... Yeah, that's a shame. But at the same time, it's really, it's a great opportunity, particularly for your work. Yeah. Um, so in your biography, you said that um, you, you like to explore the notion of facades in society that conceal harsh realities. Um, could you talk a bit about that? Because I thought it was a really curious statement. Um, so that's really in, mainly in just trying not to give away everything, trying to conceal the, I think that's really what we've spoken about in terms of, my work doesn't really give away the harsh reality of coral bleaching when you just look at it. Um, it's a very abstracted version of my inspiration. Um, and in terms of the subway maps as well, I tend to view subway maps as something that sort of conceal the reality of urban living and conceal the complexities. And it's just a very simplistic image of a city um so it's all just this idea of like masking masking the reality um and my work does that as well even my name it doesn't i sort of conceal everything yeah. <laughs> um i don't really give anything away in that sense um no because one thing <laughs> that i'm curious of at the minute in terms of art is kind of the artist and their personality versus like that art I feel like some artists are very good at, at kind of being the forefront of their work and you see, you know them and then you know their work. And other people like yourself are a bit more mysterious whose work is at the front and they're kind of very much in the back. Um, and I'm kind of curious to to kind of think about like, and actually the best way to ask you is actually to ask you a question is, is like how often do you put yourself like in your kind of behind the scenes of your work and how kind of present are you personally like as yourself on social media? I mean, I post like photos of myself, so I'm not completely hiding okay. who I am. Um, and I think my personality might come across, must come across for people that have followed me for a long time. Um, and I've done like Instagram lives and things as well. So okay. people have seen me. Um, I don't do them that often, but I have done them before. Um, Yes, I really just want people to take what they want from my art and not really have it influenced by me as much. Um, 
Yeah, but that might be something that I change in the future. I might become someone that is much more at the forefront of my, yeah, of my art. Yeah. All right, I just know that I'm I'm kind of really conscious about the minute in terms of that. Like after talking to a lot of artists and seeing a lot of art and kind of thinking about how um, the artist and the art kind of correlate, because sometimes there's a lot of artists that I know, like they're on Instagram live every day. Or you know, they do Instagram stories every day and they're like they show you their life. And like people relate to that a lot. And then there's some people who don't do that and people relate to them a lot. I think it also depends on your audience, I guess. But it's just kind of interesting to think about how people have their own different set of ways of doing things. And sometimes it it might be nice to I'm not telling you to necessarily do that, but it might be nice to go and have a look and kind of reconsider how can you be a bit more personal if that's what you want to do. No, just something that to think about. Something that I'm thinking about in my own work and also for the flying fruit bowl. So um just something that I'm thinking about. So how much space does your art take to create? Um, it really depends on the size. I've, I'm actually on a table that I use for paper cutting now. Oh. And that's about two metres. Okay. Like a two metre circle, two metre diameter. Oh. Um, so that's the largest that I've ever done. So I would, I probably won't be doing one bigger than that in the near future. Um, so yeah, that's probably, it all sort of works on this table for the actual paper cutting. Um, but I do, I mean, I do have, I do take up a lot of space because I actually work in my house. So I've taken, I've sort of colonized, I've taken up a lot of space in, across the house because I have a lot of storage and places where I do packaging and it has yeah, to be all cleared out from everything else because otherwise it's just it just won't work if there's anything else in that area in terms yeah. of keeping everything clean for packaging yeah um, but absolutely yeah so i think it does take up a lot of space and would you like to own your own studio one day yeah definitely um i'm still living at home at the moment so it's not yeah obviously not right now it's not a viable thing I to do it's gonna but I'm looking at on my year abroad, actually trying to find like a shared studio space yeah. to try and work uh, whilst I'm studying at university there yeah. in Japan, try and continue creating work at the same time. That's really important. Because I think one restriction a lot of artists have is space that people don't really think about too much because like you need the space to be able to create work, whether that's a painting or whether that's photography or whether that's, you know, paper cutting, you know, you need space. Um, and some people are lucky, some people have, you know, a lot of space or have a spare bedroom, but a lot of people don't. And it's like, it's kind of like, how do you adapt to your environment? If you don't have the space you need to create, but you also still want to create work. So it's it's something that actually I should ask more people about, because I think it's something that people don't really think about too often. Um, but that's interesting. And I think, yeah, I think definitely looking for a shared studio is actually a really good idea because you'll meet other people as well. And that could be quite interesting for like collaborations in the future, if that's something you wanted to do. Um, so do you ever worry about the repetition of ideas or at least your work looking too similar from um, collection to collection? I think my work does change quite a lot um, from each collection. So the recent pieces that I've, the digital ones that I hand cut, that's a very new thing for me. So they, I've done a lot of those, like you might've seen at the other art fair, I had like a large, I had 16 small pieces and that's my my most recent work. Um, but that's like a very new, it's evolved a lot from the previous collection of spray paintings, the previous one of just original paper cuts. 
Um, I think my I am quite good at just evolving my work. I don't really stick with one thing for a very long time. Um, yeah, I, that isn't really like a worry at the moment, just because I have so many ideas. I've got like a list of ideas that I need to get through. Yeah, that's so cool. It will just, at the moment, I've got enough ideas in the idea bank. And actually, that's, actually, that's a good... Actually, that's not, actually, I don't ask people enough about actually the idea of kind of collecting ideas. So it's like, I'm assuming, you, as you said, you have a list. I'm assuming you write them all down. Yeah. And, and how important is it? Okay, so okay, so the way to ask you, I guess, would be how do you, if you've got a list of ideas that you want to get through, how do you choose which idea is going to be the um, best one to do at this moment in time? It's really just what I want to do. There isn't, that's quite freeing. So I can just, I mean, I have to get all of the materials and stuff because I do need quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of materials to be able to produce a lot of my work. So if it's paper cuts, I need to get perspex cut to the right size and all of the like uh, standoffs, which like suspend it from the wall. Um, so yeah, I think I just pick, It's re it just sort of goes as I, it evolves as I continue creating new work. So it just, whichever one feels most natural at the time, I'll go for that. So what is the benefit of creating a piece of work that is like a physical object as opposed to, say, a digital piece of art? Um, I haven't really done any digital work. I've I used, like, my laptop to create digital versions of my designs, but I haven't really explored digital, like, NFTs and things yet. But that is something I'm looking into. Um, but I definitely think with my work, being able to see it in person is a lot better than seeing it online. It's really difficult to capture the intricacy of the paper cuts. And because my work plays with depth and light quite a lot, it's really difficult to capture that in a photo. So I think it does, it's a lot be better to see it in person. And do you ever show like the process of you photographing your work? I haven't shown the process of me photographing it. I show the process of actually creating the paper cuts. Is that what you asked? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, because, I, so I was going to say, because it's kind of, it's curious because a lot of artists I speak to always say to me how hard it is for them to capture their work, but hardly any of them actually show how they actually manage to do that. And I think that'd be something really important that artists can show other artists because then they're like, I imagine... If you're struggling with that, you'd want to find somebody who's doing the same. And I'm pretty sure that's something you're going to want to know. It's knowledge that you'd want to know. I mean, I had this conversation two days ago, which is why it's on my mind. It's like, think of all the different kind of skills, like packaging work and, and shipping and framing that you could pass on, or the valuable skills you could pass on to the next person. But because you do them, like, as an everyday thing, you don't think about it. So maybe that's something good for you to think about in the future in terms of, like, if you need quote-unquote content, um, or you're looking to think, oh, how can I add value to people who are looking at my work just beyond the work itself. Things like that are always a good idea because people are always going to need to know how to package work and frame work and ship work off and particularly to galleries and art fairs and stuff. So I think the, the actual process of art is also just as important as the work itself. And I think that gets lost a lot of times. So that's just something for me to say to you just as a random aside. Um, 
Yeah, that's something I've never thought of. I just sort of do that without like the dirty stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. That people don't really, I never thought people would want to see that sort of stuff. But, but yeah, I imagine yeah. like, yeah, imagine if you're an artist yourself, like, yeah. Obviously, you'd, you'd obviously Google it at some point to figure out how to do it yourself. Um, and if yeah. people are looking at your work and you have an audience of artists, particularly if they're artists and you know they're artists, that's going to be some really valuable insight. Um, and that's for any artist, really, that that obviously is an artist. Um, it's just all the things you don't think that people are really going to care about. I bet they probably do. You just don't think they do. Um, and yeah. it's going to be valuable to someone somewhere. Um, so the actual process of your work, and I know it's kind of a, a hard question for you to answer because you do a lot of different things, but like what's the kind of the typical process of your work in terms of like from like the initial concept to the actual final piece? Like what is the kind of process you go through? So I create the initial paper cut using like a hobby knife. Um, so that I would, it's like a very meditative process where I just spend hours and hours just creating, just cutting into a piece of paper. I've actually got one here that's essentially this is a really small one um and I just cut into this creating these like circular designs um and yeah I'll just sort of listen to a podcast or something um and just relax and create the paper cut and then once that's done I will use it as a spray use it as a stencil to create the spray paintings um so I can create a couple of them you can't use it too many times, otherwise it starts to disintegrate the paper. Yeah, of course. Um, so I tend to do like five um, spray paintings. Uh, I did do one where I did like a whole collection of 20, but I never used the paper cut as, uh, I never preserved the paper cut in Perspex because the thing was too disintegrated. Um, and it just sort of accumulates too much paint on each of the little strands. Um, and then I use that, I hand cut the spray paintings and like raise them at different heights and uh, raise them, like trying to create unique compositions. And then I scan them into my computer and create digital versions, which I then manipulate the colors, manipulate some of the designs to try and make them all different. Um, and then I print them out and hand cut all of them as like, Giclee Prince. Yeah. I can never pronounce that word. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Giclee. I, I've no idea. There's yeah. about 15 different ways to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, I, I produce them. Um, and then I hand cut all of them and then also raise, elevate them at different heights and sort of play around with different compositions. But I never do the same thing once, uh, twice. <laughs> I never do the same thing again. So once I've done it, I'll never, I never really want oh. to do it again if that makes sense. So every piece is like an original piece? Unless it's part of like, a, I mean, every collection is like an original collection of pieces and then I'll probably never do that again in the same way. Unless it worked really well, then I might do it again. But um, I tend to want to move forward all the time. Yeah. And that's something I found that I have a preference for stuff that I haven't done before. So even if it's a slight tweak in the process, then that's better than just doing the same thing. So that's, I think the stencil, the fact that the stencil disintegrates is kind of a really interesting parallel to kind of the giant coral. That's a really interesting parallel um, of like, kind of like you create something and it, you know, for a while, and it's really beautiful and it looks amazing. Like that design is incredible. Um, but then at the end of the day, it kind of, it dies. 
and it, it becomes, you know, non-existent. I think that's a really interesting parallel. Maybe not something you thought about, but it's a really interesting parallel. I'm not, it's not like people's artworks are not just going to disintegrate the ones that I've put for sale. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. This is just for the stencils. <laughs> yeah, of course, the stencil. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. But um, that's just an interesting part of your process. And that's how it kind of reflects back into the inspiration. Um, and why spray paint, though? That's kind of really a fascinating idea because obviously that makes me think of paste ups and, and London walls and murals and stuff like that. Like, why spray paint? I actually spent a lot of my childhood in Shoreditch in that area. Oh. So I took a lot, of, I do still take a lot of inspiration from sort of street artists in East London. Um, and I just grew up just seeing a lot of uh, graffiti and spray paint. So that was really what I, I, I just fell in love with that medium from a young age. And it's something that I still use now. And it works well with my paper cuts because um, graffiti artists tend to create their own paper cut um, stencils. But for me, it's just sort of a merging together of the traditional paper cutting and very contemporary street art. So I still so, use the two. No, sorry, sorry, continue. I know, I think, I think most like street artists will tend to just create the stencil to spray paint. And then they, like they won't, in, they won't use the stencil as an artwork on its own but for me I do use the stencil as a as a piece of art as well have you ever heard of the artist swoon I don't think so I, I'm going to send you her work, her work because um I'm going to send you her work because now you just said that it reminded me that she has so she obviously she's like a street artist and she creates these really 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 detailed um paste ups so that, that I guess it's like imagine if you were to paste your your work a stencil on a wall. It's like that. It's like very very intricate, very interesting. Actually, she might be a really interesting point of reference. So you layer a lot of your work and you frame a lot of your work. Um, what is the kind of significance of the frames for you? Well, in terms of practicality, I I used to actually not frame the pieces where I, when I started layering them, I used to do them just using like canvases and then layering them coming off the canvas. But from a practicality um, point, like sense, it, it became really important for me to be able to actually frame them. I actually, for a piece that I exhibited at the Brick Lane Gallery in Shoreditch, like at the same time as the other art there, um, that was a very large canvas with lots of different pieces coming off it. And I had like a, perspex box made for it which oh, wow. was really expensive yeah um, perspex is so expensive yeah it was like a massive it's a one meter 20 piece and oh, it was wow. encased in like an even larger box um anyway that actually smashed in the gallery but we won't go into <laughs> we won't discuss um so it was fine it didn't have the perspex box in the end um but i just think yeah, I use frames now um, in order to sort of contain the pieces. And I also like to use colour inside the frame. Yeah. So I like to have like a striking colour inside because it glows into the piece and it, I just like the way that it works with the artwork. Um, so yeah, the way that it sort of reflects the light in, back into the piece when I use fluorescent colours, uh, that adds a whole new dimension to the work. It changes the 
dynamic. Yeah, that's really cool, and that's super interesting. It's just, uh, it's just that I'm really curious about because um, I was actually I was talking to a few days ago, and we were talking about framing work, and he said that he often feels that frames can be quite restrictive. Um, I was kind of curious, like, do you ever think that frames framing can be quite restrictive to the artwork? I think for me, it's really a part of the artwork, unlike a lot of artists. So mm. I do build my pieces into the frames. Okay. Especially with these mini reef pieces that I'm creating. Um, they work really well inside the frame. So I cut the artwork into the frame and you can't really take it apart. Oh, okay. artwork works. The frame is part of the piece. So I always sell oh. my work with the frame as just included in the piece. I don't really have the option of just giving the artwork because it doesn't work without that structure. Oh, that's really fascinating, actually. But also, that's kind of good because it makes it more accessible in the way of like you can literally just hang it up straight away. You don't have to like worry about trying to find a frame and, and bring it together and not destroying the artwork whilst you're putting it in. It's literally you can just hang it up as soon as you get it, which is actually yeah. a really clever idea. Actually, they are sort of built into the frame. Yeah. So this is actually a commission piece that oh just, wow the light's not picking up the colors at all it's not it's just literally uh, <laughs> white it's actually yeah. red and blue i don't know why it's because there's a really strong light source that's why yeah okay that's, it's basically cut into that shape but it's so three-dimensional though yeah it is like, three like, yeah like that's like that's so interesting that's like the interesting part it is cut into the square oh i see but then the ah. frame fits around this and it of just course. sits in the frame so oh. it wouldn't really work if i just sold yeah, yeah. So that's crazy packaging, that would be a very that would be a nightmare <laughs> to package yeah. without the frame yeah because imagine. it's just paper so it's yeah. very delicate yeah we get destroyed that's kind of really interesting though because like the preservation of your work is something that you've already thought about and it's kind of like it's kind of already built into the work itself which is actually kind of really clever and um, because you don't give people the option to kind of accidentally destroy it or and or like you know it's delicate so you're like okay it's delicate but once you get it you're going to have it forever like if that's quite nice i like that i think that's really clever actually it's something that i don't think people think about a lot i think a lot of artists when they create a piece of work granted it's like paintings and stuff you can't really just frame it straight away because you don't know who's going to buy it if anyone's going to buy it and you don't know what they want whereas in with your work because that's already your vision for the work yeah that's like clever I just think that's really clever. And also not just that, it, it gives your work a sense of um, branding, I guess, because like you already had the frames already set um, and you've already pre-selected it. So as soon as that is ready to go and hang on a wall, people know, okay, that's a J.R. Chirot piece, um, even just by the frames. And actually, do you ever sign the work? Yeah, I sign all of my pieces. So for these, there's no space to sign them Yeah, because I don't really want to write on the artwork because it goes right up to the edge of the frame. Would you not sign so the frame? Sign. Yeah, so I sign like inside the, you know, like on the inside wall of the frame. Oh, okay. I sign like there. Oh, the yeah, that's cool. Right hand. But you have to like look into the artwork to see it. That's it cool. it doesn't distract from the piece. Yeah, that's really the cool. The most of my work I do sign, there normally is a space where I can sign it. That's really interesting. So. So why do you call your work collections rather than series? Honestly, I, don't, um, I haven't thought of that before. Um, I think 
I don't really add stuff to I'm not sure with I'm not sure what the exact differences are so okay so oh well just for me a collection is a really curious time to use because collections for me at least kind of I think of clothing collections um, and I think a spring season whereas in series of work I think art is more kind of um, considered to be like a body of work is like a series of work but then when you call it a collection it I don't know for me it kind of it opens up the commercial boundaries of the work um, and I think I, that's what's so interesting about you and your career already is that it feels like whether or not it's something that you is intentional or not like you very much thought about the commerciality of your work and kind of the branding of your work and also kind of the longevity of your work like already um, <clears throat> so I think for me it kind of denotes this idea of of commerciality because it's like you can have like you know like clothing a spring collection a summer collection a winter collection a japan Jap japan collection a london collection <clears throat> the possibilities are endless where there is a series of work it's like there's a finality to the end of the work if it's a series um, but because it's a collection actually it's not you can do anything and then just add it slightly tweak it slightly and then it's another collection so that's how i would describe the difference but i'm just super curious that you use the word collection i just thought it's not something i see at all that often it's very rare that I see that in art. It's more like I do create my, because I don't call all of them collections. Like I have some that are called paper cuts and perspex. So they don't have any collection or series. They're just a part of my website where I put all of my paper cuts. Um, but then for these mini reef collect, mini tour reef collections and the mini tour collection, they work well together. So I like, I do not really, I don't really mind that more commercial nature of them because they, I know that might be controversial in the art world, but um, I think these pieces work together well. They work well as like little, a lot of my customers tend to buy a couple of them and then like create their own unique compositions. Oh, wow. So it's quite customizable in the actual piece that you get in the end because you you can add as many as you want together to create your own unique thing that I didn't even think of. Like they've thought of it. They've chosen which colors they want and which compositions they want. Um, and then they just sort of arrange it in the way that they want. So that might be, I do like that customizable aspect of some of my work, the smaller pieces in particular. So that's really interesting. That's a really interesting idea and kind of way of navigating the um, commercial boundaries of art. Um, and I'm kind of curious, actually, this is quite random. I just thought of it while you said that. Like, have you ever thought about, I don't know, this is a bit, it's probably a bit odd, an odd thing to say, or at least it may be jumping way too much ahead because of where your career is, but have you ever considered like creating like jewelry or something like that to like accompany the work or some other kind of collection or something else that's kind of outside of art? Yeah, I have thought about clothing and stuff, but it's not, I think at the moment I do want to focus on art. Of course, yeah. I don't think it will ever turn into some massive, like, commercial co corporation or something. That isn't really the intention I have for it. Oh. But it just, that isn't what I want for it. But um, That's perfect. No, and I agree. I think that's, I think balancing art and commerce is, is very tricky for artists. Yeah. Um, it's a very slippery slope. As I always say, it's a very slippery slope because you want your work to sell because you want to create more work but you also aren't in arts to be rich. Um, unless you're a very, very, very well-established artist, you know, you're not going to make millions and millions of pounds, pounds off your work, you know. Um, 
but I think it's just it's something that all artists need to figure out for themselves, kind of where they they lie on the sliding scale of art and commerce. I think I'm I love collecting things. Yeah. So for me, it's like that collectible aspect is something that I find quite appealing personally. But for a lot of artists, they might see that as very commercial. If you have like a collection of something and then you want to keep getting more of them or something. Yeah. Um, but that's just something that I like to do. Yeah, I think that's really correct because I actually do think your work is quite commercial. And I think your work has got the potential to be quite commercial. Um, which is kind of really fascinating because you're not actually interested in that in that way. And I think that's actually quite that's really fascinating. And actually that's kind of a very good um, it shows how much you you like your work and how much you appreciate the kind of artistic process. But for me, I can, I mean, I can definitely see like it has a lot of commercialability in in like a very positive way. Like it's, it's something that's very exciting that could potentially be very big. But then obviously that would depend on you and the scale and what which you want to to create the work on and sell the work for. But I think I think it has a lot of potential. So let's move on slightly to exhibiting. Um, so obviously you've exhibited in the Brickland Gallery in the other art fair and you're going to have an exhibition in Tokyo. Um, so at what point did you start exhibiting your work and kind of how did you know when it was the right time to exhibit your work? Actually, in, um, like when you came to see me at the other art fair, that was my first fair. Okay. Um, and the Brickland Gallery is my first show. Okay. So okay. it's very recent. Um, but now... I felt like I was ready at that point. I've been working towards that point for quite a long time. So I'd built up quite a large body of work. I had to split my work between those two places. And there was more work at the Brick Lane Gallery. Okay. Um, so it did mean that I had quite a lot of work to choose. I did have a lot of work to choose from, and then I had to curate the two exhibitions. Um but as I've said, I've been doing it for over six years, which isn't a lot, a long time for a lot of people. But for me, that's quite a large chunk of my life. Um, and I have built up quite a large um, body of work during that time. And I just felt like that point was, I felt like I was at the point to start exhibiting. But I don't think that before, I mean, I could have done an exhibition like a year ago but I just didn't feel ready at the time. That's really cool. I think that's really exciting. That's even more exciting if they're the only shows you've had so far. And, yeah. um, you know, the response to your work, I imagine, has been pretty positive. From Actually, from a couple of I spoke to at the art fair, they actually really liked your work. So, and a few of them told me to speak to you as well, which is quite nice. Everyone at the fair yeah. was really nice. It was a really good place for me to just meet more established artists because I'm not really exposed to artists just in daily life. I really don't know many artists at all in like so doing those events and things is really good to just meet other people and bounce ideas off of them it was really nice to speak to all of them absolutely I think networking in a way that's not like oh I want something from you is the best kind of networking because you get to meet people you get to you know see what they're doing and kind of understand where your place is in the art world because um, I think it could be very very hard for you to particularly if you don't know any artists or you don't speak to many artists, it can be hard for you to kind of figure out the nuances of, of you know, like self-doubt and, and questioning where you stand, where you fit in and, and where you stand and and what your work means. I think it, all that stuff can be very hard if you're not talking to other people who do the same thing. So I think it's very good to reach out to other people and, and actually do often reach out to other artists online. 
I mean, I have been in contact with artists like through social media uh, for quite a long time. So I did, I have spoken to them and like taken tips and things from them. Um, and my uncle is actually an artist. So okay. that's, that is the one artist that I do know well. That's perfect. Um, and he has a podcast as well. Oh, why is like, that? Um, it's called Modern Art is Rubbish. Right, I'm going to check it out. <laughs> Another art podcast. Um, yeah, so I do take a lot of um, tips from him as well. He's a really good source of, of like information and inspiration. Um, yeah, so I have, I do reach out to other artists on social media, but it was just good in the fair to be able to meet lots of different people. And it was, it's really my type of art at the other art fair. And everyone's, it's very contemporary and exciting. Like there's a real buzz and there's a lot of young artists as well, which is really good to speak to. I met some people that were very young there in their first exhibition as well. So it was nice to see how they were getting on. Yeah, I think it was a great opportunity. I think it was such a good opportunity for you. I think it, it makes so much sense yeah. for you to have done that. Um, and actually, at least very nice on to my next question, which is about community. And like, do you feel like you're part of the wider art community? I would hope so. I would hope that they were. Um, I mean, as I've said, I'm, I'm like, my life is very, I do art myself and I'm not really part of any art groups or anything like that. Like I'm not represented by a gallery or anything. So it's all just coming from me. So I'm not sure. I mean, I would like to think I'm part of the art community, but I'm not like, especially my local area. I wouldn't consider myself part of this art community, very, like in a very rural area. Um, so my work is very different to a lot of local artists. Um, I'm not sure they would be as happy to accept me into the art community <laughs> when we move. Um, okay, uh, that's that's interesting because I think maybe that's something that you should explore in the future, um, or at least kind of maybe think about because I think sometimes with art it's about who you know um so what are your thoughts on social media and how does it affect your practice um social media has really benefited my practice um i see it's sort of an extension of my art process um so it isn't i don't see it as a nuisance or anything i think a lot of artists have quite a negative view of social media but for me it is really just an extension of my process and i do enjoy interacting that's where I get a lot of my interaction with other artists um and yeah I just I think it is a really positive tool for me and do you think that social media has changed the way that people like the general public kind of view and interact with art yeah I think it makes it a lot more accessible it's it's really good because you can talk to like just anyone who's interested in in your work and it's just it's made it really accessible to speak to artists um, and I think it's also like democratized the playing field it's democratized the art industry quite a lot because having social media has made it a lot easier for people to you know show their art to the world and then see how people respond and it's really good to get people's reactions as well and see what people like um, because then that can influence what I'm doing in some way. Not that yeah. it always does, 
like I do try to stick with what I want to do but it is just interesting to see what people's reactions are yeah what kind of feedback do you value from other people I think I value everyone's feedback um I don't take it all on board but some stuff is really useful especially from other artists if they have feedback then that's that's always been useful to me to just evolve my practice because I'm always learning as well I think a lot of artists are always learning and it's good to get information from other artists so do you ever feel pressure to create more work as your audience grows I think there is a pressure just because of like the algorithm especially on like on Instagram um there's always a pressure to keep like to stay relevant on the platform and to keep um engaging people because it is really difficult to maintain engagement rates and things I just it's crazy um but it's um yeah there is always pressure to keep creating work and to not stay stagnant or anything and that is difficult when I'm at university that's the part that I find the hardest because I can't do a lot of work when I'm at uni because it is intense we have quite short terms um so it's just which is good because I have longer holidays to work but it just means that it's very much focused on the uni stuff when I'm at uni and I just take a few smaller paper cuts to work on Um, and then I have to get a lot of work done in the holidays to try and ensure I can keep this sort of constant stream of work throughout the term yeah so I am creating like a body of work that will be released when I'm at uni back in October okay that's sort of the tech that's the strategy that I tend to do just sort of work in advance and then use try to create a constant stream yeah, that's really great. You must be very organised then to do that because that's not an easy thing to do. No, you have to be very organised. So I do try my hardest. <laughs> no, that's very, you know, it's very commendable because, you know, you don't have to. You could easily just be like, oh, yeah, I'll do it whenever it gets around to it. And I think that's kind of, that's super, it just shows kind of like the dedication and the kind of love you have for your craft because you didn't have to do that. You could just be like, oh, I'll just do it whenever. But you're like, no, actually, you know what I want to have, I maintain, I want to maintain like a steady stream of work and I want to make sure that I'm always constantly creating something. So I think that's very commendable, I must say. Um, but I do take art very seriously. I think for a lot of people that do art, like friends that I have at uni that also do art, they don't necessarily want to become an artist or anything. Um, so if it's not something that someone's as serious about, then it doesn't really matter. But for me that is something that I take seriously. So I do want to continue even when I don't have the time. Of course. I think that's very, I think it's great. And I think that's really exciting for your career for the future then, because it means that you already know what you're doing, which is perfect. Yeah. I think it's just, I think you're just a very exciting artist. You're very like, you're definitely kind of like quote unquote, like the one to watch, like for sure. I think you very much are. Um, Thank you. your work's very interesting but like a lot of people like like everyone I speak to it's like I don't know whether or not without hearing the artists talk about it people would understand it in the same way um so Mm -hmm. I think talking about art is very important and also just the kind of creative process of being an artist even if you're not a full-time artist you're still an artist and even that kind of balancing act is is very like people need to still hear that because not everybody is in a position to be a full-time artist 
So I think it's a great, I think it's absolutely great. The moment though. It does feel like I'm a full-time artist in the holidays. It very much, it very much seems like it from the outside. Yeah, I think in that when I have less uni work, like at the moment, um, it just I'm constantly just doing art. Like I tried to wake up really early every morning um, to try and structure my days in the best way possible. But it does just I do like that sort of hustle life of I know that. A lot of people being an artist isn't really for the hustle or anything. Yeah, of course. It isn't for me, but I do enjoy that structure. Yeah. Um, and especially in like the past few months, it has, I've had a lot more to do, which is always a good thing. Yeah. But I think also it just shows because the time you put into it, like your work is, is time consuming, but the fact that you're putting the time into it. And you know, you said you've been doing it for six years and you're like, oh, that's not a long time, but you're only 18. That's a very long time um and not just that that just shows that you've been doing it since you're very young so you're very serious about what you're doing so what kind of percentage of your time do you spend marketing your work as a first actually creating it and kind of what are your thoughts on marketing um i do really enjoy all of the sort of digital stuff as well um so doing all of the marketing and i've learned it as i go along but i do enjoy that um i don't really do any paid I have done like Google marketing like paid ads and stuff but they weren't that effective for my website so I tend to just do it all for free and just working like on social media I think social media is a really good place to market for everyone um, because it does give you that huge exposure and it's all you don't have to invest that much money into it um, yeah it can be very expensive to get marketing people and stuff um but i have recently been in magazines which has been really good like in the past few weeks and that's been a really good place to market my work and get some more interest from the right people in my work um just people that actually like my work um, yeah, of course in contemporary art magazines that's really the sort of place that i want to be um but social media is the main place that I do actually market my work now looking at it. It's mainly through social media and like the reels thing on Instagram, which is the yeah. new video feature, which isn't that new anymore, but that is something that has really helped me as well, just to build a platform to try and, yeah, attracting people that are interested. And how often do you look for new opportunities and apply for new opportunities? I'm always applying for new opportunities. Um, that's like something that I'm always trying to do. Whenever I see like a application or something, I try and do it. I sort of do that in my downtime as well, which sounds really weird, but I just like, I like to just sit on my laptop and look for interesting things that I could do. Um, not necessarily just for like marketing opportunities, but just cause I do enjoy doing, I do enjoy that sort of digital um, like writing articles and doing that sort of thing as well so I always look for that look for how I can spread my work across different platforms yeah and that's yeah that's clever and that's such a great idea because like magazines and stuff is such a good idea because people don't really think about magazines nowadays because everybody just relies on social media but actually do you think that there is a danger of relying on social media too much for your yeah I think it it helps to build like a reputation in the art world. I think if you're not just on social media, 
it can be good to branch out into different places because I have met, I have actually um, gotten a lot of contacts from doing magazines and like press articles okay. and just having interviews and things like written. I've never done a podcast interview until okay. now. Perfect. But, um, I've done like written interviews and that's good because I stay in contact with the people. Yeah. Um, so you do build up connections from across the world. Yeah. And people that are interested in my work because you normally have to apply and then the people will get back to you. So that just shows that they're interested. Um, and then, yeah, they're very, they tend to be very interesting people to stay in contact with. So, so how important is it for you to show the process of your work? And do you ever show kind of like the failed images? I do show a lot of, I tend to do like reels, Instagram yeah. reels, show the process, um, which people do really enjoy, like watching the paper cutting process or I do like a live video or something. Um, and I think that is something, it just helps to contextualize the art. Otherwise yeah. people think that I've used like a laser cutter or some sort of machine, but I've never done that. I had a lot of questions at the fair, at the other art fair, if I'd about the, if I'd use like a laser machine or something, but that it helps to contextualize the fact that I've actually hand cut everything because that is like a very important part of the process. That's a very yeah, important part of the artwork. I think it adds a lot of value as well if I've spent yeah, a long time. time on it. Yeah, of course. Uh, like yeah. A machine. So in that sense, it could be very, it could be a lot more commercial if I just use a laser cutter to just, I could just yeah. reproduce them. But that's each piece is individual and I can't reproduce it. I can't do prints of it either because all of them are three-dimensional or like transparent. Yeah. They're all very unique. Yeah, that's that's incredible though. I think that that kind of gives the work a bit more um, originality for sure. One thing I want to ask, which I'm kind of curious about nowadays because of Instagram and obviously it's no longer a photo sharing app. Like, what do you think like the future of Instagram is going to be and or kind of the future of social media for artists? Well, I think the video is very, it's like a, it's a rapidly growing um, part of Instagram inspired by like TikTok. Um, so I think people do like to see that more. It's a much more engaging way of showing your work, I think, than just a static image. I do like showing static images, but obviously creating a video creates a lot more it takes a lot more time and effort um, to edit the video and use music and things. Um, I think it will continue to go in that direction of just being a lot more engaging, maybe for a younger audience especially. It's going to be difficult to, it will be difficult for artists to continue just showing images of their work, I think, which is very sad. But I think people's attention spans are going down the drain, so. Yeah. Maybe using videos would be a lot better. But it's also kind of interesting because creating videos actually take quite a long time, like a longer time than people realise until you actually do it and you're like, oh, damn, this actually does take quite a long time. Um, yeah. So it's kind of funny for something that's a lot shorter that people are going to look at a lot less, you're actually spending more time. How do you plan to, and or, have you, or, and or are you thinking about like 
how are you going to future proof your career if Instagram dissolves tomorrow? Like, how do you want to kind of make sure that your audience and your reach is going to be kind of sustainable for the future? If say social media becomes like not the favorable platform of choice. Well, I think that's the thing about being adaptable. You have to keep adapting to the changing currents um, as an artist. So I think I would have to move on to the next platform probably. Um, but there's all of the things that you have to do offline as well that are equally as important as the online connections. Um, so doing events and things is, I think just establishing myself within the real life art world is definitely a priority at the moment as things start to open up with COVID. Um, so I think creating those personal connections is really important outside of social media. But I do see the huge benefits that social media has for me. Um, so I, I probably would look to the whatever's next, try and catch on to that before it becomes big. It's like almost like all we're doing as artists and creatives is jumping is jumping to like the next sinking ship. Yeah, it is sad, but it is the reality. So I was thinking about it because I spoke to a lot of artists who say similar things about kind of the future of Instagram. They're kind of a bit worried. Um, or maybe their work doesn't really translate to video. They can't really do much. Um, and also I think like with photographers, like I'm a photographer, but like with photographers, it kind of forces you to become like a video editor and it kind of forces you to do other stuff, which is kind of good yeah. in a way, actually. But it also changes the way you, you kind of want to create your art. And I think that's kind of the shame. Um, I think it doesn't really work for everyone. Luckily for me, it does complement my work because people are interested in seeing how it's actually made. So that is a positive thing. Yeah, because the process is just as important as the final piece. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's even more important in my case, the actual process of it. That's interesting. That's very interesting, actually. And actually, I'm going to send you the link to the person I interviewed two days ago because his work is very similar in terms of he's created resin sculptures um, and the process takes can take like weeks or months. Um, and it's about the process. It's about the layering. Actually, you're, actually, there's quite a lot of interesting parallels between your work. It's kind of funny. I, didn't, I actually wasn't planning to interview him when I did. It just the opportunity came up and I was like, sure. Um, so actually, I'll send you his work because the parallels are really interesting, actually. Um, because his work is like resin. He pours like a layer of resin. He has like a piece of... Uh, Handcut collage and another layer of resin, and another handcut collage on top of that. So they become these three dimensional sculptures. Um, now I'm thinking about this. Actually, a lot of parallels between your work. Okay, yeah, I'll send you his work later. That's really interesting. Let me quickly write, well, actually, no, his name's really down here, but that's really interesting, actually. And actually, that's a very nice segue because I have a question for you from the last person in food, which is him. So his name is Jay Riggio. Um, Jay Riggio. I have to make sure I say it properly. Yeah, so. The last person I interviewed was called Joe Riggio, who is obviously a resin sculptor, sculptor, as I just said. Um, and his question for you is, what do you listen to when creating work and what is the ambience of your environment like? Um, well, I actually listen to podcasts when I'm creating my work, but I also just, I, my favourite thing to do is just to do it in silence. Um, it really just depends on just how I'm feeling at that time. I tend to, I don't really like listening to music when I'm doing work for some reason. I just can't concentrate if okay. I have music because I like to really focus on something and not be, I know podcasts might sound really contradictory to that, but 
I just like having something really clear to focus on and music tends to just muddle up my mind too much. So having either just being in silence or listening to some interesting discussion, um, that's my favorite thing. Yeah, but I do also like like meditation sounds. That's something that I do listen to as well. Yeah, that's really cool. That's super awesome. I think that's like a really. It has to be just a calm vibe. Yeah, it has to. It matches your work. You know, it matches yeah. the the vibe of your work, which I think is great. And you I think the really calm. otherwise yeah. you might. Yeah, and I think the environment of the artist is actually really interesting because it reflects in that art, or it might not reflect in that art in some cases. So I think that's very very fascinating. Um, so yeah, and also, do you have a question for the next artist I interview? God, I didn't. <laughs> um, I have not thought about this. Um, do you know who the next artist is? I don't, not at this moment in time. Well, I have an idea, but I can't guarantee it's going to happen. Maybe just what are their plans for the future? Okay, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, I don't give people much time to think about it so um which is probably quite kind of unfair because i have a list of questions that took me about a day to do so um i like the spontaneity of asking people like, what do you want me to ask the next person my next question is how do you define the term contemporary art um um it's been on like my university interview now um <laughs> i would have to honestly i'm not i don't have a, a detailed definition um just I mean, contemporary art is just like the current wave of art, isn't it? So it's just, my uncle would be very good to ask this question too. Um, well, just the current wave of art, I tend to consider it as like very vibrant, like colours or it doesn't have to be that. Um, maybe just like questioning the boundaries of art, um, trying to challenge I challenge the boundaries of art in some way. That's how I tend to see it. Um, there's a lot of different mediums that have been introduced that weren't necessarily present a couple of in the previous waves of art. Um, yeah, I'm honestly not. No, no, that's that's a great answer. And to be honest, that question throws everybody, like everybody. As soon as I say that, they're like, they just stare at me, like what? Um, because it comes to a definition, I'm not. No, it's, no, because I think the thing like contemporary art is a term that we ever, like we all use, but it's not something I think we necessarily think about as much as maybe we use it. Okay, so the second to last question is: What do you think your art says about you? Um, I think it, because it's very intricate and time-consuming, it might. I mean, people might have their own views I don't know um people might assume things about me which are probably true that I do spend a long time just I mean it's as I've said it does really fit my personality and it fits I have experimented with lots of different art forms and this is the one that works best for me just it encourages like calm introspection whilst I'm creating my work and it also enables me to continue evolving so I, I don't know what people might think about that but um I think it might I mean you can just sort of assume the sort of person that would do that type of art okay. you have to be very calm 
And I know I said this is going to be the last question, but it's not the last question. I just thought something else you just said. So, which no, no, that's perfect. I think it's a great answer. Um, I think it's an honest answer, which is the best answer. But I know they said this is going to be the last question, but actually I've got a question to ask you before that. I just thought you said. So, like, would you consider that you're, would you consider yourself more introverted? And do you think there is a relationship between introversion? Intro, is it introversion? Like being introverted. Being, is there a relationship between being introverted and art and art and art making? Um. I wouldn't say I'm like completely introverted, but it, I do enjoy my company when I have that time to myself because I don't really get that much time to just be by myself and create my work. But I do really enjoy that. Um, and I think it is really important to just spend time alone when I'm creating my work to avoid any distraction um, because it has to really come from within sounds really cheesy but it has to just I think it's I, I enjoy like studying at university like Buddhism and uh, understanding Japanese Zen Buddhist ideas and that's something that I tend to listen to on podcasts and things so when I'm like relaxed that's when I produce my best work when I'm not distracted by anything I have to be fully like in that sort of zone. Um, so I think being alone when I'm creating my work is quite important, but then when, when I'm showcasing it, I, it's much better to be with other people and see other people's work. And yeah, it just really depends on what I'm doing basically. Yeah, that's absolutely great. That's absolutely great. And I think that's, uh, it's so true for a lot of artists that you know art can be you know a very lonely career as i said earlier and i think a lot of people spend their time alone in the studio creating their work um but then also you have to kind of be extroverted in some respect or at least more outgoing when you actually hang up the work and you have a gallery show or you like you kind of you have to talk to people about it at some point some people like it some people don't mm -hmm. so that being said we come to the last question which is a double barrel question the question i ask everybody to finish is what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work I'm currently preparing for a show in Tokyo, as I've said, and I'm also working for another show I haven't told anyone yet, apart from like family, um, which should be happening soon in Milan. Um, but I also won't be able to attend that um, because I will be at university. But um, So I'm preparing a lot of work at the moment. There's quite a large body of work that I need to finish in order to exhibit at two places again. Um, and I'm also working on a lot on a lot of, I'm actually working on a magazine collaboration at the moment, which should be coming out in August, towards like the end of August. So doing a lot more of that marketing and digital um, ventures, like just yeah, working on some more collaborations. Um, and you can find me on my website at www.jrchuo.com, which is J-R-C-H-U-O. And my Instagram is just at jrchuo. And then I also have LinkedIn, but I don't think anyone cares about that. So <laughs> we'll just focus on, <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you know what, JR? Thank you very much.
That concludes my interview with J.R. Chiro. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or via social media sites such as Instagram. The Flying Fruit Bowl audio interviews can now be found on a range of sites such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube or whatever you listen to podcasts. Please consider rating, reviewing, subscribing or sharing on any of those platforms to spread the word and reach of the podcast. Also, don't forget to check out www.theflyingfruitball.co.uk for daily art inspiration and for written interviews. If you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured and interviewed. We now also have a Patreon page if you're interested in supporting the platform further. Tears start from a pound, so if you're interested, please check out patreon.com slash theflyingfruitball. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this episode today. And until next time, folks, please stay safe.